This is 10 with Zen, a podcast hosted by Helen Woodward, leadership consultant and former head of school improvement at the Department for Education. Brought to you by Zen Educate, each episode features a prominent guest sharing insights and best practice based on their own unique experiences. This could be as a school leader, an SEN specialist, a parent and beyond. If you like the sound of 10 with Zen, make sure you follow and subscribe on Spotify, Apple or whatever platform you're listening on. Nick, it's great to have you on today. Thanks so much for joining us on 10 with Zen. Absolute pleasure, Helen. Thank you very much for inviting me to talk with you today. So first of all, can you tell us about FICA Mental Fitness, why it started and what it is exactly? Sure, of course. FICA started from a mental health crisis, actually. Um, I lost my best friend of 35 years to suicide. And that was a turning point for me in my life uh, where I decided to try and understand mental health. I think, I think like a lot of people in our country, we see, and I saw at the time, mental health as, as illness, quite frankly, a place for problems and a place for help. And what I decided to do was to do something about that, do something about the problems that happened between me and Ben, my best friend, and how I couldn't, you know, didn't feel equipped to help him. And really just trying to understand what, what's gone wrong in our culture. Why don't we recognize things like mental education and mental fitness? And that was really the, you know, the, the, the early beginnings. And I, I co-founded FICA with my co-founder, Gareth Fryer, who is a two times cancer survivor who also suffered a huge mental health burnout. So we came together and decided to do something about preventing mental health decline because traditionally, and I think quite, we're, we're quite accustomed with treating mental health, which is basically treating mental illness or the decline of mental health. What we are not good at and we haven't really um, innovated and, and looked at is really how do we prevent mental health decline in the first place? You know, and for, for us, one of the things that we looked at very early on was just a simple analogy between physical health and mental health. You know, and if you look at physical health, track it back, you know, 50, 60 years ago, we didn't have physical fitness. Running was a hippie sport, if at all, you know, and, and way before the, the, the Jane Fonda era and, the you know, Arnie in the gym, there was no mainstream physical fitness at all. We didn't have that. But what we recognized, I think, as a culture was that we were facing major human crises in health. And that was around, you know, heart attack, obesity and, and poor physical health. And I think we recognized that you couldn't people that problem. You couldn't staff the hospitals enough. You couldn't put enough St. John's ambulances at the bottom of the hill, if you like. And we decided, well, we need to educate people. We need to we need to bring physical education into curricula so that we can bring literacy into physical health and then create an, an attractive outcome area called fitness so that people want to practice that literacy and look after the, and maintain their own physical health. And that's physical fitness. And then, you know, we looked down at mental health and we thought, where's the education? Where's the fitness? It's just totally absent. And that was really, that was the sort of the kernel of, uh, of, of FICA and why Gareth and I started it. We're now a team of over 20 um, scientists and technologists, and we've created a data science-driven platform that delivers a formal training program of mental fitness. And fundamentally, we're trying to change culture. We're trying to celebrate the other side of mental health, and we're trying to encourage all of the all of the people in, our, in the organizations that we work with. So we work with over 100 organizations in the UK. That's um, across education, healthcare, and corporate, and we encourage uh, we encourage people to to take formal training in mental fitness really seriously because it's a duty of care. We believe much like 
the you know the the education that has been missed for everyone is a duty of care for every organization to bring some basic training in to help people maintain their mental fitness levels. And this is really helpful to understand. Um, and I fully get your point about mental fitness and the correlation between mental fitness and physical fitness and where the emphasis has been over the years. So, so I want to ask you about, because you've mentioned that you've got scientists and technologists. So how do you know that what you've put in place uh, is evidence-based and grounded and is going to work? Well, it's something that we decided to invest in very early on was, was making sure that we were evidence-based from the start. So we have a science team that's run by um, Dr. Fran, who's our head of psychology, Dr. Zoe, who's our head of um, data and research, and Dr. Amanda, who's our head of behavioral, um, behavioral psychology. And what we undertook in, in 2019, we undertook a, a randomized controlled trial where we looked at um, individuals coming into an organization, so a transition period, because we're really, we're really interested in transition periods because we recognize from secondary data and research papers that we looked at that during a transition period our mental health goes into a decline and that's you know that you, you know that's that's pretty common in education but it's common in the workplace as well you know joining a new business or becoming a line manager you go into a similar decline as you do when you join a you know you go from sixth form into college or into university and so we prepared a randomized control trial and it was run independently from us um, and it looked at individuals joining an organization um, and what we found was the control group declined in in key measures. So the measures that we were we were tracking were self-efficacy, positive emotion, life satisfaction, and negative effect. And we found that in the control group, all of those measures declined over a six-week period. And in the FICA group, we um, we gave them the the FICA programs to use, so five-minute exercises, because our, our programs are created out of five-minute micro-learning exercises. And we saw an incline in all of those measures across the across the FICA group. So for us. That was a, a sort of a, a landmark scientific discovery for us because not only did we prevent the decline of mental health, but we increased performance. And we we like to talk about that as day one duty of care. So instead of waiting for week six, you, you know, for, for the decline to have happened and, you know, help to be asked for or not, as the case may be, get ahead of that and put a put a foot up, put a formal course into your induction program so that everyone is expected to do an induction in mental fitness. And in doing that, you know, prevent some of those lines of decline and increase um, and performance. And and we've kept we've kept doing research ever since. Okay, so let me ask you about who you're working with because at Zen we work with predominantly schools. We work with some school based teacher training providers. One of the things I'm aware of when I look at my social feed is just how many teachers in particular are reporting really quite publicly. Actually, I'm feeling really stressed. Been doing this for six years and I've thrown the towel in today. Can't do it anymore. I mean, this is every day I'm seeing this. So who, who are you working with and how can FICA Mental Fitness help some of those groups like schools and teachers who are in their training year? And I'm thinking about students who are over 16. What can you offer and how do people work with you? So our platform runs with a B2B license. So organizations purchase a license and then it's available for all of their population. So it's available either for their staff or for their learner populations. We started in the higher education sector. So we work with a number of universities across the UK. Then with, through a partnership with NCFE, we have moved into the further education sector, work with around 90 education institutions, and that's across staff and, and, and learner and student bodies. Then we, we've also started working with the NHS recently, so supporting nurses and staff in the NHS. And we, we also work with corporates, and, that, and that's just employees in the workplace. So we've done, a, we've done an awful lot of work with um, employees in education settings. 
And we've expanded that out to offer our services to corporates and, and their employees. And I think, you know, talking to the, the point that you started with, that along with this great resignation that we're seeing, which I think is partly potentially due to, you know, our, our collective contemplation during lockdown and everyone's had a lot of time to think about where they're putting their value and their time you know we've seen a lot of resignations from you know some of the big consultancies where i think people have decided i want more for my life than whatever work i was doing and, and that that's in in some part that behavioral change comes from having time to contemplate and decide to do something different so being sort of taken out of your busy cycle but i think what we've also seen is that people are recognizing that they're really stressed Work is really stressful. You know, I think I think uh, perhaps one of the positives that hopefully we're all going to come out from this, you know, pandemic era and recognize is that mental challenges are really are really high at work. We look at we look at some um, market data. There was some data published by the BITC. It was published in a Deloitte article. And this data showed that the issues that contribute to most mental health decline at work are pressure for deadlines um, and workload and basically business as usual. And what I think we're having to recognize now is that business as usual is really tough. We're faced with multiple and frequent mental challenges. And what we don't do is provide any support or training in advance of that. Now, I'll give you, I'll give you um, an analogy that we, we often use, which is, let's just say, Helen, that you, you're, you're, you're running an organization. Let's say you're running a, a major school group and you've got you know, a thousand teachers across the country, let's say, and you decided that in a month's time, you're going to send them all on a 5K run. Yeah. Don't tell me you wouldn't give them some training. Don't tell me you wouldn't plan ahead and say, look, you've got a, you've got a physical challenge coming up, 5K run. It's not, that, it's not that challenging, but it's, you know, what you would do is you'd probably let everybody know that there's going to be some training available. You would help encourage people to train. And you do that because you know that by providing the training in advance, They'll perform better. You will offset risk of injury and everyone will have a much better chance of succeeding. And yet you think about things like coming back after the pandemic, returning to education settings. What an incredibly hard mental challenge that was for everybody. And yet we don't provide any training in advance of that. This isn't me pointing fingers at anybody. This is saying that culturally, for some reason, we've just missed it. We've just decided physical challenges they need preparation for, we're all aware of it, we're aware of the benefits for it, and therefore we just go for it. We, we, we train and we encourage it, we make it a positive area of, of growth. What we need to do is we need to do the same thing for mental health. We need to recognise that we all face these challenges, and if we are the duty of care owners of an organisation, be that uh, you know um, an education institution or workplace, we need to recognise that actually it's our duty of care to provide some training to prevent that decline of mental health. Yeah, I really like that. And I really like that idea of if you were preparing people for a 5k, the whole of your organisation. So let me ask you, while we're talking about the kind of difference between um, physical fitness and mental fitness, something I really wanted to ask you about is injury time. Okay, because sometimes we pick up a physical injury. And, and I have this conversation with my physio and she goes, now, Helen, I have overpaces and underpaces. Which one are you? Because actually, at the moment, we're not training, we're in remedial recovery. You know, so we have this discussion about what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not. But I want to ask you this about our mental health as well. And I'm asking you very much, you know, located in Manchester, where we're still in the inquiry following the arena bomb, for instance, uh, which left a lot of people with physical injuries, actually, but also a lot of people with post-traumatic stress. Um, you know, workers, as well as people that attend the concert. So, you know, we understand very acutely that sometimes we experience injury to our mental health, and sometimes on a collective level, actually. So is FICA still 
relevant and helpful then? Or are there some things that are counterindicated whilst you're in recovery? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And, it, you know, it surrounds a really challenging area for our culture, which is, I guess, you know, bringing people back to health yeah. or good health, should we say, um, when, when their health has really suffered. That's not an area that we focus on at FICA. Okay. So, um, you know, typically we, we, we like to think of what we do as a prevention service. So very, very much, I mean, and again, let's just take the physical uh, fitness analogy or the physical health analogy. We see ourselves much more like a gym. Okay. You would go to FICA ahead of events or just part of your everyday life, training for life, we call it. And you would build up your mental muscles, essentially, because the seven skills of mental fitness that that we train people in, we we like to think about them as mental muscles in some way. So like your confidence, your focus, your positivity and your motivation. We sometimes use the analogy that they're mental muscles. And through five minute brief exercises, you can basically exercise those muscles and gain more mental fitness, which in, in a way tops up your mental health. That means that when when you do hit a psychological downturn, let's say you you hit a you hit a difficult time, you've not only built that positivity into your approach, but you've got skills that you can reuse and you recognize that by doing those techniques you can increase your overall sense of management of your mental health. Got it. And that's really helpful. So I can think actually I can go to the gym, but if I'm injured, I need to go and get some physio so that I understand what I need to do to get to get right again. Exactly, exactly. So we can't depend on FICA to do everything. FICA is, as you say, like a mental fitness gym. But actually, when we have some trauma or some kind of injury, we still need to get the additional professional support to help us through that time. But we go into it probably from a better place, from what the research is showing you. Yeah, you've put it really well, Helen. And, and one of the things that we sometimes talk about internally, because we've got a, we've got a lot of interest in mental fitness literature. That bias that we see in our culture, where which is a negativity bias, if you talk about mental health to people, generally people think that's a negative. When you talk about physical health, generally people think that's a positive. So there is a real negativity bias, and we see that in research as well. We've seen many papers which talk about this is a this is a paper on or a study on mental health, and when you read through it, it's talking about you know high levels of depression and anxiety. It's a it's a study on mental illness, not mental health. Absolutely. Now I'm hearing you. So let me ask you one final question because this podcast will go out to hundreds, thousands of head teachers, school leaders. Have you got one message that you'd like to give school leaders? Well, I'm going to break it into two parts. The first, the first one is just to say thank you to the school leaders who have been through an incredibly challenging time and continued with their incredibly rewarding careers, which are to further the education of our nation. So firstly, a massive, you know, heartfelt thanks to them, I think, on behalf of I'm a parent, I have a, I have a, I have a young daughter um, and two much older children who've already been through the education system. So thank you as a parent, and I think on behalf of the, the country. And then I think the other message that I think I would like to put out to head teachers across the country is really to think about preventing the decline of mental health and, and thinking about the duty of care that we all have in the area to think about mental education as an important part of the curriculum. Because I think it's time that we do start thinking about these skills as being as important as maths and English. Thank you so much. That's a great message. And it's been brilliant to talk with you today. Um, So thank you so much, Nick, for joining us on 10 with Zen. Absolute pleasure, Helen. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed uh, the conversation very much. 10 with Zen is brought to you by Zen Educate. 
Zen Educate's online platform puts you in control of supply and recruitment, and they've saved UK schools over three million pounds by allowing them to connect with teachers and TAs directly. To receive 50% off your first day booked with Zen, just DM us on Twitter at Zen Educate and quote 10 with Zen. Thanks for listening.